Welcome to the show, Rachel. She's a five runs planning projector and she's three years into the human design experiment. But I have a feeling that she will tell us much more about trust and how she came to the point she is today. So, Rachel, what is it you are doing? Thank you so much, Miran, for having me on your podcast. Um, I'm really grateful for the opportunity and the invite. Um, so I'm uh, Rachel and I live in Auckland, New Zealand. And I've been in the online coaching space for the last, mm, let's say, since about 2015. Um, I first started off in coaching uh, because uh, a lot of difficult circumstances in my life forced me to start looking at some answers and I was led to this coaching path. So I started coaching people and probably served around 500 plus people globally. Um, but I had no idea. I, I thought I was at a great place that I knew everything and that I'd found all the answers through coaching. Um, and then about a couple of years ago, I went through uh, an incredibly painful experience. So uh, I went through separation uh, from my husband and we've been together for about seven years. So this was probably the biggest crisis in my life and it really launched me to not just superficially look at answers, just delve deep, 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 10,000 leagues deep into myself to find the answers. Um, and what that led me to was human design, gene keys, um, lots, of, lots of very ancient practices um, and so through those practices, I was kind of able to go through this phoenix rising from the ashes, if you want to put it like that. <laughs> um, so that's been my journey, particularly in the last couple of weeks, um, years. Like uh, five one should. <laughs> it's very <laughs> funny. This, this to, to express your own field. And I've heard from the projector movement where I took trainings, like we five ones just should look for ourselves and our aura is so strong that it will draw in everything else. Have you experienced it that way? Oh my goodness. Honestly, fi finding human design was such a life changer for me because the first thing I looked at was the five one. What does that mean? And everything in my life made sense <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> all these drawing in of experience that have nothing to do with me, so to speak. Um, I invite a large amount of projections. Sometimes it's about the way I look. Sometimes it's about the way I speak. Sometimes it's completely made up stuff. <laughs> and I didn't understand any of that. And I'm well into my 30s. And it's only now after studying human design that I really started to understand what the five has to do with all of that. <laughs> all the expectations and it's like a magical mirror it is. it's like we are always standing behind it and they project onto it and they think we are their dream come true and they do not realize that it's their dream they want to live 
and then all these expectations. So it's really this, when do we dip in? And more important, that's the part I'm still figuring out, when do we step out again? It's like this, we are like an explosion. We drill in with our focus, then we set a charge, we explode, and then we are done. The rubble is not our <laughs> problem anymore. <laughs> I love the way you're explaining this. <laughs> it's great. It's so true. It's, it's, a, it's been a life um, burdened with a lot of expectations, very high expectations from people. And sometimes, or, or I've kind of exhausted myself trying to live up to those expectations. And then sometimes I crumble. And when I crumble, I get burned. <laughs> what do you love about uh, the work you're coaching? What is it that drives you or calls you? Yeah, thank you. Um, the, the coaching part, as I said, I was led to it because I was going through difficulties uh, in my own personal life. So now for me, it's all about transformational work. Um, it's, it's never that just thin layer of superficial changes. Oh yeah, let's have one hour healing session and then you'll be fine. For me, I've understood that the world is full of a lot of spiritual bypassing or um, very temporary reliefs. So what I now do, and this is this is fun. I hope you don't mind me bringing an as astrology um, uh, allusion to this as well, because I found that I have what's called a Scorpio stellium, and Scorpio is, is all about depth. It's really diving in deep to find the answers into the watery, dark depths. I have an entire stellium of it, which means I have like four, uh, four planets in Scorpio. So that whole death, rebirth, metamorphosis, um, and rising from the ashes has played out in my life multiple times. And I see myself sort of as a facilitator of that for my clients. Um, there's this really awesome story. Um, I think it's in Greek mythology. Uh, it's, it's a person called Charon, um, not Chiron, it's Charon. Um, I hope I'm getting this pronunciation right, but he's the person who's the one that takes people into the underworld um, mm -hmm. on their journey. And then they come back transformed, so to speak. So I see myself kind of like carry my clients all the way down to the depths of themselves so that they can find their own answers. And you shine in emergencies through to a 5-1. So you, do you guide them longer or just in this very immense leaping time where they stand on the cliff and they do not know if they want to take the step and fly or if they turn around and go? I get asked to do an entire variety. So sometimes it's, let's say, small things that people need guidance on. Sometimes people come to me um, because I've built a couple of businesses People come to me for business advice, so I can give very um, strategic advice about how to grow their business and to get get their blocks out of the way and just 
just cut through and get on with it. And then there's this other stuff, um, particularly in the last two years, I far more enjoy my role of being the one who brings transformation. Um, so it's, it's a wide variety, to be honest. Um, always called upon emergencies. So very much feel like the general sometimes. <laughs> oh, the story when he's needed, they call them and then they forget about him. Yes. yes. How dare they do that to us? <laughs> and the general just wants them to do their own stuff. So I read in Richard Rudd's Gene Keys in one, I think it's the seventh key, you know a good leader that he wants to get rid of you. <laughs> the bad leaders want to keep you, the good want to get rid of you. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I love that. <laughs> yeah, but it's a hard take to, to know when they come and uh, to know when it's right. So I think there your splenic authority helps you a great deal. It does, but honestly, I can tell you three years into it, it's probably um, this year that's really helped me be in tune uh, way more than I ever have. I've had it all my life, clearly. I've, I've listened to it without knowing it was human design or what human design has to do with it and what splenic means. I've always had it. But the whole, what you just touch on, which is when is the right time for you to actually go into a situation? Just because you're a general doesn't mean you go like into battle all the time. And that certainly used to be an issue for me because I'd always have the answers. I, I would, I would know the answer. There's absolutely, absolutely perfect answer. <laughs> but to know when to give that to people and to recognize an invitation and to know uh, and to wait. It, the hardest thing for me is to hold back my answer <laughs> when I know that it's going to do a world of good. Sometimes it's hard to hold back, but splenic authority, I've really let go of expectations of people, really taken away that general authority that I've put on and maybe attach my ego to that. So particularly in the last year or a couple of years, um, I really stepped away from that. Forget about people's expectations. Um, I'm not everyone's savior. And I'll just listen into myself. And if I'm not invited, I won't even speak. <laughs> so it's more like you want to have fun and play and not fulfill the expectations of everyone else. Yes, and a lot of the bitterness for particularly project projectors comes from the fact that we, we can clearly see because we can penetrate into a situation and we can clearly see. But if you're not invited, you are dismissed, you are um, burnt <laughs> if you're a 5-1, and... You, you, yeah, you're disregarded and you're not recognized and it, and it really cuts deep because you have all these gifts within you. Um, but the best thing to do is to play. <laughs> um, I've had an entire day of play today, so I do feel in quite a joyful and a peaceful place. I've, I've climbed a mountain today. I've gone on a nature walk 
Um, I've picked some wildflowers and that, that is the play. And it just feels so joyful. And no one has asked me for my opinion today and my ego doesn't care anymore. <laughs> and the most magic happens. So when people come and I have the 24th chinky in the life path, so that's all about surprise. And so I have to surprise myself and others constantly. How's that <laughs> and like when for I just... <laughs> But how do you do that in a life where all is control? You know, you spoke about this journey a little bit. You touched on it too. This when you need to trust yourself to let go, to play. Playfulness has no control, no goal, no the goal and the path are the same mm -hmm. it's a way of living it's a way of being it's everyone wants ease but how how do you picture a life of ease it's so it's so far away from the shores we anchor and yet it grows under our feet <laughs> oh day. what a beautiful way of putting it you have an amazing way with words um yeah I think for the majority of my life, uh, I'm a very sort of driven person. I've achieved um, a lot of things that people would call success. Um, I've managed to go from promotion to promotion and work and get to a certain place. All of that was done through by what you call being a super slave, right? <laughs> being that projector super slave um, and being able to really command other people um, and to be able to gather them to me because they naturally do appoint me as a leader. I never even asked for it, so I do get put in leadership positions. But it's been all very, very penetrative and very forced. And what that creates is a lot of exhaustion. So it really took two years ago when, when the separation happened, like that was a huge crisis that toppled everything for me. It just crumbled everything. It crumbled my reality. That's when I was able to look at myself and go, I've done this really forceful and uh, forceful way of doing things, very um, sort of going at it really hard. And now I want to play. I know that I'm a creative through and through. I just want to play. <laughs> <laughs> and see what that feels like. And it feels entirely natural. So it's a learning journey for me as well, Miran. That is the energy that comes to earth right now. I feel like without making us special, we all are, it's just the projectors are unable to sustain that way of living. So we are kind of forced to live a life in tune with nature and we can feel it. So that's what we bring to earth right now. That's amazing. <clears throat> so you had all that generator life down <laughs> the last years. <laughs> I have. I, I was the super slave. I really, really was the super slave. Um, it's amazing because 
I think what a lot of projectors um, particularly struggle with is once they're in that structure that they've built for themselves, the generator prison that they've built for themselves, it actually takes a while to deconstruct those parts. Um, and I'm not just talking about the deconditioning. I'm talking about the physical structures you've set for yourself, the the job, the, the family, your spouse, <laughs> everything that was very of you trying to live a generator life now has to be deconstructed for you to even remotely begin to be true to your design and to live in a way that is true to you and correct for you and natural for you. It's like everything is upside down. It's so uh, I, I have, I, I'm still building my coaching, but I, I had always people that needed my help and I've coached them sometimes over a year or so. And it's like they are so stuck in life. They have no time. They don't even have space to maneuver, to change their life because it's so tight. They have maybe a child. They are pregnant to the second, have a um, husband and a job. And they do not even have half an hour or they think to change. And change needs energy and That's something they do not have. So it's like a catch 22. Where do you start? And then the, this life uh, crumblings like you spoke about come because people are unable to hear the heart's voice that gets louder and louder. And then they break down. And suddenly they have time. Suddenly they see that not everyone are dependent on them because that's what all the, I heard you in the podcast speak about it, this self-worth. Everything is built around what they have reached, what they have created. It's all outside, but there's nothing inside. It's so interesting. How did human design help you in that switch? For me, it was just confirmation what I already knew. Oh, I'm not here to work. How did that show up for you? And especially the authority. Yeah, amazing question. Um, when I went and got <clears throat> my profile done, <laughs> so before a reading or anything, I went and just <laughs> input into a site and I got my profile done. And honestly, I think I... It was just momentous for me, recognizing, like you say, it's self-recognition. You're, you're looking in the mirror and everything all of a sudden is crystal clear because everything that you've deeply known about yourself ever since you were a child, deeply known about yourself, <laughs> all of a sudden it's all true because you know, it says so, someone else says so, <laughs> a different system, a different set of principles, all of a sudden confirms everything you've known before. <clears throat> I think that's quite a profound moment. Uh, and it really did change the way I look at things. Splenic, being a splenic authority for me was just the biggest thing. Being a projector was the biggest thing. Being 5'1", obviously all of those pieces meant so much to me. 
But the splenic authority is the one I remember the most because it goes all the way back to my childhood. I can remember steering myself away from difficult situations because I listened to the voice, <laughs> not even the voice, the, the inner knowing that I have. And so for me to know something that I've known ever since I was five years old, for example, it's just momentous for me. It changed a lot for me. And they say a splenic defined center is you never stay in an unhealthy situation for long. Uh, do you connect that somehow with your authority that it pings you when there is something that is wrong for your health? It does. It completely does. And the thing is, I have gotten so good at ignoring <laughs> those pings <laughs> that that um, that I did get myself into a few situations that weren't good for me and healthy for me. And, you know, you may have read about things about projectors. Some uh, I think I've heard Ra say this. If you're in a marriage, it takes you like seven years to get out of it. And mine lasted seven years. And I've been in, um, you know, certain roles uh, in my life, careers, And it just takes, if I don't listen, it takes a long time for me to take myself out. But these days, it's it's sharper, it's clearer, because I'm finally listening. And so these days, moment by moment, I know what's right. And that's quite a, that's quite a crazy way of living, to be honest because it's very much moment by moment. And I've had this career, it's been in project management and everything about project management is planning, outcomes, deliverables, and it's all set out and you can plan three years in advance, five years in advance. Now, moment by moment. Where did you start? Because I can imagine when you have such a tight life and you switch from a planning, controlling, control always implies fear, life to a trusting, because I see that authority from human design is the only system I found that gives you back your authority, that there is something we can trust in. So where do you, where did you start with impl implementing your authority when you read it first? I think, I think I was getting a glimpse of it even before my separation happened. So I was kind of hearing about human design. It was popping up here and there, um, but I hadn't gone and done my profile or what have you. Um, and there was a moment, particularly when the separation happened, there was one moment where I knew without a shadow of doubt that was the moment for me to end. That was it. And so that was a very strong inner knowing. It's almost like the clouds parted and I knew that I had to leave. <clears throat> so I guess everything kind of got kicked off from there. Um, so after that, I really had to uproot my life and I had to go and rebuild and rebuild everything from scratch. As I did, I started to all of a sudden believe 
I've been in this situation for seven years and I had this realization and I managed to walk walk out of that situation. If I did that, maybe I can trust myself again. Maybe the voice that's been in inside of me, maybe the, the inner knowing that I have inside of me, maybe I can trust that more and more. So I started listening in a bit more. Um, and it's, it really is about, I started seeking a lot of solitude, let's say, um, because now it was easier to do because I'm no longer in a partnership. I started taking a lot of walks by myself, um, just kind of shutting out people and staying at home uh, for a very long periods of time. And all of a sudden I could, I could hear it better. <laughs> and so the more I listened to it, the more I trusted that 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 knowing could be trusted because my trusting system was broken. It was broken because I'd stopped listening to it. I pushed it down so much. <clears throat> and because of that, I had to really listen in again. And the more I did it, the better I got at listening. <laughs> it sounds like what Sadhguru said once, and now yoga because everything else didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and now I trust myself because everything else didn't Absolutely. work. <laughs> and I think I'm a huge believer that life is intelligent, inherently through its own design. And so life does get you to these situations where everything else has to break away and you are all of a sudden now given the opportunity to reflect <laughs> and listen and listen <laughs> and and you hear everything a lot clearer all of a sudden and it sounds to me like you came to a point in your life where the consequences to go on like you did uh, were greater than to take the leap yes it's a leap that i thought i would never take let's let's be honest i'm i'm very much i seek security I like stability, safety. <laughs> and so to walk away from something that I thought was a lifetime, but what was going to be a lifetime, the, the, there was a tipping point. <laughs> and that tipping point catapulted me into a different world. It's like a big paradigm shift. You know, if this is your paradigm, and I know I'm doing like hand gestures now, but... <laughs> Um, <clears throat> if this is your paradigm and it's a straight line and the line all of a sudden flips and now the world is upside down and you're looking at the world upside down as well and it looks different, your perspective is different and all of a sudden you see things that you've never noticed before. So that's what happened. <laughs> True to the first line, security. <laughs> It's so funny when a security line, I myself a 5-1. Brilliant. Two. So like-minded. <laughs> that's why I know quite, <laughs> quite a lot about the profile. Yes. It's so funny when a first line figures out that security is an illusion. I think I'm still It's working just, on that uh, mirror. <laughs> I know it mentally, but it takes 
they say there's only one path you need to take. It's from the head <laughs> to the heart. And I'm a self-projected authority. So that's very oh, true for me. What a brilliant way to put it. It is. It truly is. In my mind, I know it's that security is an illusion. Um, but oh, it's, it's a big one for me. Huge one. Um, I, I, was, I was born in a, in a country where there was a war. So there was all this external things that was happening to me that just kind of imprinted on me that the thing I must seek the most is a life of stability. <laughs> and, uh, and then to quit the job that pays your bills is the hardest thing. It is, so. it is. And then it all got ripped to shreds. <laughs> Someone said, if you follow your soul, it guides you. And if you do not, it drags you. <laughs> drags you by behind. the collar. Oh, <laughs> by your <Yes>. hair. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I think we will take three deep steps to go on. I feel like I need to center. Your authority to implement it, it needed a lot of overcoming the resistance. And maybe it's the wrong way to put it. It's more an allowing of the resistance because resistance needs a counterpart. Uh, how long did you need to get a footing? I know it's an ongoing process. But when was, how long did you practice it consciously? You said you always had it till you said, okay, now I feel so secure in it that I can take on the bigger parts of life. And what maybe what was the strongest resistance you overcame? What was the aha moment you had there? Oh, that's a big question. Um, obviously the changes started happening. There's always been changes. Like I said, there's always these burning downs and rising from the ashes, burning down, rising from the ashes. Um, but there's only huge, big moments. So the last three years since the separation has been when I really, I was cracked open enough. Let's put it that way. I was cracked open enough to look at life in a way uh, that is completely different to how I used to look. I was open all of a sudden to everything. Like I was open to possibilities. I wasn't ruling anything out. So if human design says X, Y, Z, I would look at that very curiously with a curious and a playful mind and go, 
hmm, I wonder, and how does that feel for me? How has that played out in my life? If Gene Keys brings a certain contemplation, I would go, oh, that's interesting. If someone um, speaks of an astrology view, I would look at that with curiosity as well. I think curiosity, particularly being a child, I'm a life part three. So I'm that eternal child. uh, And life is a big adventure. It's only in the last three years that I started to feel like that again. I used to feel like that about 10 years ago. I was very, very adventurous. And then there was that generator trap, the prison. And then this big crisis that brings about the opening up. And all of a sudden you look at everything differently. And so for me, the biggest resistance almost melted away because of that big incident, the big crisis. And the only resistance after that, particularly in the last three years, has been when my mind, I I think I wrote to you that I have channel 64, it can twist itself into a pretzel. It really can. So... For me, that is the biggest resistance that I get is from my mind that runs at a million miles an hour. It it just super, super fast. It works really fast. So I think that's where the biggest resistance for me comes from rather than playing and being playful and being creative and just creating things for the heck of it. <laughs> my resistance comes when the mind asks, Yes, but what's the outcome of this? Why are you doing this? Um, but yeah, like. Do you have a split? No. Sorry, a split Single. definition as well? Okay. Single. So you're yeah, mental. Uh, oh, 64 is up. Oh, you have the whole down. Yes. Okay. Uh, it's called the gate of confusion, right? Um, by no means an authority. Um, on human design i'm not able to teach anyone but i've seen that gate play a lot out in my life it is the thing that makes me doubt that i'm here to play (laughs) that's my big resistance and it's so confusing because the ups upside down way is actually the natural way but the whole world is living the opposite way and we are conditioned by seeing, hearing, learning from our childhood. So there's every time there's something out there that says, oh, you are not right. And then there is this 5-1 magic mirror going on where no one sees you. In my experience, only other 5-1s truly get me. Others don't, but I have made peace with it that they will never see me. (laughs) And they are that sure that they know who I am, even when they are off track. (laughs) It's a beautiful thing. I think that's Um, something I am still really looking to build a a community and friendships with other five ones. Um, Because I've truly come to realize, like you say, there are some people who will absolutely never, ever, ever see you. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the majority. 
Um, it's so it's it's a funny thing. I can sit in front of ten different people, and all ten of them would perceive me completely differently. Um, for example, I sat in front of someone, and they're like, "Oh, you must listen to classical music," and I said, "Okay." <laughs> I'm a complete techno head. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's um, it's a very uh, strange sort of life to live like that as a five one, but being a splenic authority certainly has helped me navigate that life better because I now understand I can listen and I know what's right and correct. I no longer need to engage in the perceptions of others about me. That is a long journey. So boundaries, essentially, when it's a no, then it's a no, and it stays oh, a no. Yes, <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> and my boundaries used to be terrible; it really did. Um, And when you start to build boundaries, other people perceive you to, um, you know, be difficult. <laughs> that you're just being difficult, and you're like, no, no, no. I've I've been a people pleaser all my life, and I realize that I go against my nature <clears throat> just to please. I go against my nature just to please people. No more of that. <laughs> I listen to the yeses. I listen to the noes. I listen to the pings that I get, the the sensations in my body. All of that now plays moment by moment for me. I can recognize it moment by moment. And there's so much messed up in the world around this topic. This uh, I myself was a people pleaser. And M2, so it's an ongoing process. This when when there is a new person, I can observe myself like I want to please them. I offer help even when that's totally wrong for a projector. It's okay for a self-projected projector. We do what we want because we are guided through our longing or desire of the heart. But it's still not correct because it's so like I push myself onto them, you know, like, take my help, take my help. I want to be seen. And for me, the 24th Jinkies uh, addiction is the shadow. And it's always like addiction, are unhealthy habits that keep ourselves in the, in the same loop, in the comfort zone. And I can feel that when I rise up, then the addiction comes in and I see, okay, in the addiction, I want to belong. First, I want to prove myself, but why do I want to prove myself? Because I want to, to finally belong, relax and be myself. And that never happens when I sit in the outside. And, but I wanted to take onto something you said before on the playful side. I somehow missed that when someone in my coaches this, okay, just try it out. They, they always want to this upside down, upside down at first understand and have security that it works before they feel, and then they want to experience it. 
My experience is that it's upside down. I mean, I have that channel of the prodigal. So I am the lost son who goes out and experiences. Then I feel and then I understand it. But how, what would you suggest through your authority and maybe other splenic projectors where they start playing? Where can they start? I mean, when they already look back, I always said a good tarot reader or astrologist doesn't tell you anything new. When he says you things that you already know, he's on spot, on the spot, on, on point. So what would you suggest your fellow splenic projectors, they start to get into this playfulness again? I oh, love this question. Um, part of the problem, let's start with the problem, is like you mentioned, you want to be seen. You do. You just want to be seen by people. And I'm going to call this a desperateness, but please understand I'm doing it with a very playful <laughs> sense of playfulness. Sometimes we're just desperate to be seen. And because of our desperateness, we get very serious and we get attached to that outcome of being seen. The more you can revert back within yourself in that moment, When you're feeling this desperation of being seen, take a big deep breath, take several if you need to, and you revert within yourself. And that that wording makes sense to me, being the whole Scorpio stellium as well. I can delve deep within myself, like I can just go dive, 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 like a deep ocean diver. I can dive within myself. Even if you don't have that as a splenic, all you need to do, take a breath and tune into that body and you will feel sensations. At first, maybe your heart's racing because you're so anxious and desperate to please. <laughs> and you kind of allow that feeling to wash over you and settle. And then there comes the sort of splenic ping that it's okay. It's okay. It's almost like it says, look at you being a little bit desperate wanting to be seen. <laughs> it Splenic doesn't speak sentences like that, but I'm just playfully putting it to you. When you go within yourself, you get to that place of, ah, oh, look, that self-reflection. Oh, look at me trying to, trying to make a spectacle of myself. Instead, why don't I just let go of this outcome and just let it play out? And that takes enormous amount of courage, I think, particularly for projectors. It takes enormous amount for um, amount of courage for splenic because there's a lot of fear gates that we have, literally fear of death. <laughs> I have that one very strongly. <laughs> And so I feel like if I don't contribute, if I don't get involved in life, that I will die and I will miss out. <laughs> and therefore I just want to push and learn and I want to live this big life. It's a huge burden to carry. So if 
if I can give any advice upon your invitation, is to say the moment you feel that desperation, that is your clue to know that you veered off the path, so to speak. And the way you find yourself back to your path is to really listen in to your body, relax into your body, and you feel all the things. You feel the fear, you feel the anxiousness, and when that stuff washes over you, you're left with the right answers within yourself. The inner knowing tells you it's going to be okay. It's okay to not be so serious. It's okay to not be seen. And then you go, huh, doesn't matter. I'll play then. <laughs> so it's a long explanation, but it's, um, it's a constant bringing yourself back within yourself for the splenic because you're always trying to get your information outside, but it's you got to turn all of that off, listen in. The, is the splenic very subtle at the Very beginning? subtle. Very subtle. Um, there's only probably very few moments where I've kind of felt it like a almost a punch. Um, there were some dangerous moments where it came so strongly that I knew. But on a day-to-day -day basis, Mirren, it's very... Very subtle. I wish it wasn't so subtle. I wanted to kind of sort of punch me in the face <laughs> and tell me to stop. Do you know what I mean? But it's very, very subtle. You can blink and you can miss it. And it's a one-time It is a one-time hit. Yes. For me, it is. Well, that sounds like a master. <laughs> Listen, I will not tell it again. <laughs> I will not tell you again. <laughs> yes. How can people find you, Rachel? Thank you. People can find me on my website, uh, com. I'm in the midst of launching a couple of things. Uh, I've, um, so there's a book that's coming out. And the coaching offerings I've held back for a few months um, because I've been really consumed with a certain project. So I'm now releasing those coaching offerings again. And um, I'm also be being very playful, um, starting a creative agency, which also helps other business owners. So there's a few things that you're going to find there in the website. I'm a very practical guy, so I'm not entirely sure with which problem do I come to you. So what would be your sweet spot? Yeah, great question. Transformative outcomes and transformations. That is my sweet spot. And it goes back to that story I told about when, when someone's gone through to the underworld, and you come back from the underworld with your life experience, you then become a facilitator to take other people through the journey. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so the transformation work is my sweet spot, let's just say that. And I don't take a view of, oh, I only do human design or I only work with projectors. 
uh, or I believe in gene keys. It's not like that. I take such a wide, wide view of the world <laughs> and um, anything to do with personal transformations is my sweet spot, I would say. It's like you like it when people are in the underworld and they have so when the life has crumbled, they see my life can go on like it used to. And now I need someone who guides me through the underworld. So you are this, how was the name of the one facilitator? Who oh, Karen. Karen. So Karen. you are like uh, the Karenina, uh, the female one. <laughs> Love that name. <laughs> yes, I'm sort of the person who ferries you in a boat to the underworld. <laughs> I take you for a boat ride to the underworld. And then I also, I guess, facilitate your journey to come back from the underworld. And what I mean by the underworld is the crisis that you're going through, whatever it is. And it's usually a life-changing crisis. Um, so those are probably the sweet spot at the moment that could change <laughs> thank you rachel for being here do you have anything to add at the end oh not at all miran thank you so much for having me it's been such a beautiful conversation and i really appreciate you for having me and for seeing me <laughs> thank you <laughs> bye rachel Bye. <laughs>